0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Protesters in Shanghai took to the streets again on Sunday night, finishing a weekend of angry demonstrations against China's draconian anti-Covid measures. A relative calm seemed to emerge on Monday morning, along with new security cordons and news of detentions. Some protesters had clashed with police, others broadened their dissent, holding aloft blank sheets of paper to decry the suppression of free speech and the Communist Party generally. Similar demonstrations proliferated in other Chinese cities. Asian stock markets fell at the prospect of further unrest and President Xi Jinping's anticipated response. At the same time, the number of new COVID-19 infections reported hit a record 40,000. Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, warned Ukrainians to expect more Russian strikes as snow and freezing temperatures descended on Kyiv, the capital. Millions of people have only limited access to electricity, water and heat after Russian missiles pulverised much of Ukraine's energy infrastructure. Vitaly Klitschko, Kyiv's mayor, said that the blackouts could last until spring, with temporary evacuations possible. Heavily armed jihadists of Somalia's Al-Shabaab terrorist group stormed a hotel near the presidential palace in Mogadishu, taking an unknown number of hostages. Police said at least four people were killed and that several officials had been rescued. Somalia's army has made significant gains against Al-Shabaab in recent weeks, boasting on Saturday that it had killed 100 of its fighters near the capital. More than 80 people were injured during protests against a construction hailed as India's first international deepwater port, in which fishermen clashed with police officers. The Adani group, which had been building the seaport since 2015, is the ultimate target of their ire. The fight has taken a sectarian hue, with Hindu groups rallying to Adani's cause and Christian clergy charged as conspirators. Mélanie Joly, Canada's foreign minister, unveiled a 2.3 billion Canadian dollar strategy for the Indo-Pacific on Sunday. The aim is to expand Canada's military presence in the region to counter disruptive Chinese influence, as well as diversify trade. Canada will also tighten its rules on inward foreign investment, in an attempt to stop China buying up its minerals. Tens of thousands of people marched in Mexico City to show their support for Andres Manuel López Obrador, the country's president. Mr López Obrador organized the rally to mark his fourth year in office, but it is also probably an attempt to show off his popularity. He has an approval rating of nearly 60% after his plans to reform Mexico's electoral system triggered protests. Football World Cup On Sunday, Morocco shocked Belgium, FIFA's second-highest-ranked team, with only their third-ever victory in a World Cup. Despite struggling, Costa Rica triumphed over Japan with an 81st-minute goal. Germany remained the only winless team in their group, as they drew one-all with Spain. And fact of the day. 800%. The increase in Moderna's share price since January 1, 2020. The vaccine maker is the second best performing company in the S&P 500.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Fury mounts over lockdowns in China. Residents of China's cities return to work on Monday after a weekend of widespread protests against draconian zero-COVID measures. Frustrations with months of lockdowns spread after a fire in Urumqi, in the western region of Xinjiang, left 10 dead on Thursday. Many blamed COVID restrictions for hindering firefighters and occupants who were trying to escape. On Saturday night, demonstrators in Shanghai called for President Xi Jinping to step down, an extremely rare show of defiance. On Sunday night in Beijing, crowds sang The Internationale, a French socialist anthem, and mourned the deaths in Xinjiang. Students at several university campuses held up blank sheets of paper to highlight China's lack of free speech. China's rulers hate instability, but they're in a bind. The country is gripped by its biggest COVID outbreak yet. Elderly people are made more vulnerable by low vaccination rates. Many Chinese people are clearly furious with public health rules. Reintroducing restrictions will probably spark more unrest. In with the old at Disney Staff of the Magic Kingdom will gather on Monday morning for a virtual town hall meeting with Bob Iger, who began a second stint as chief executive a week ago. Mr. Iger ran Disney for 15 stellar years before stepping down in 2020. His successor, Bob Chapic, had a tougher time and was booted out on November 20th after quarterly results showed growing losses at Disney+, Plus, the company's streaming service. Mr. Iger will now try to steady the ship in two years. Investors are glad to have him back. Disney's stock has risen since his return and staff are mostly pleased that Mr. Iger is undoing a centralizing strategy initiated by Mr. Chapek, handing power back to Disney's creative teams. But the difficulties at Disney and across Hollywood run deeper. Streaming is undermining the cinema and cable industries, and turning out to be less profitable than either. The new old Bob will need more than new old ideas. Judicial Nominees on the Senate's Agenda On Monday, America's Senate returns from its Thanksgiving break to debate the Respect for Marriage Act, a bill that would strengthen rights for same-sex couples. It will also consider some two dozen nominees for judgeships on federal courts and may hold votes on two district court nominees. Both are women, Camille Velez-Rivé in Puerto Rico and Anne Nardacci in New York. That is consistent with President Joe Biden's previous appointments. Of the 85 judges he has seated so far, including Ketanji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court, just 21 are men, nearly a quarter are African American, and two-thirds are non-white. The Democrats' marginal majority in the Senate allowed Mr. Biden to rapidly usher nominees into robes, If Raphael Warnock beats Herschel Walker, the Republican candidate, in a runoff election for Georgia's seat on December 6th, Democrats will walk away from the midterms with 51 seats to the Republicans' 49, meaning Kamala Harris, the vice president, will no longer be needed to break ties. This could speed things up further and embolden Mr. Biden to put forward more progressive nominees. The real election gets going in Chicago. Monday is the last day when candidates can file to run for mayor of Chicago, dubbed the, quote, real election by locals after the midterms. Lori Lightfoot, the incumbent, is expected to wait until the last moment to do so. To participate, hopefuls must present at least 12,500 signatures from registered voters. The most successful traditionally manage many times that. In the 60s, Richard J. Daley, perhaps the most powerful American mayor, filed 500,000. Ms. Lightfoot, who sees herself as a successor to Harold Washington, the city's first black mayor, once said she had, quote, the biggest dick in Chicago. But she faces a tough re-election campaign, having come under fire for her policies on crime and policing, and her supposed neglect of the downtown. She will also be competing with at least six other candidates, including Jesus Chuy Garcia, a combative Mexican-American congressman. Chicago was once famous for, quote, machine politics, but established politicians can no longer mechanically turn out blocks of votes like before. This election is anyone's game. AI Outplays Humans Again Artificial intelligence has already trounced humans at backgammon, chess, and Go. Now it can routinely win at diplomacy, which for some aficionados is a true marker of game playing ability. Diplomacy, which sees players scrap for control of a pre First World War Europe, is a very human pastime. Play demands collaboration but also allows for double crossing. In a paper recently published in Science, researchers at Meta Facebook's parent company explained how they created Cicero, a program that could play diplomacy and win. It ranked in the top 10% of players in an online multi game tournament. Like all AI game playing projects, Cicero learned through reinforcement, making more selective moves as it was rewarded for positive outcomes. But diplomacy also requires players to communicate with others well enough to implement their chosen strategy whether treacherous or truthful. Thus, Cicero had to be trained to speak like a human player, using vast sets of language data. That it did so successfully proves an ability to negotiate, convince, cooperate, and compete. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso@economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday Which TV streaming service is named after the NBC logo? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Washington Irving, who died on this day in 1859. Little minds are tamed and subdued by misfortune, but great minds rise above it. That's the World in Brief from The Economist